Last week, we left Jesus on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, and He was returning back from a trip to the other side of the lake where Jesus encountered and saved a demon-possessed man. Kind of a fun story we looked at last week. The people of that land, though, were afraid, and they begged Jesus to leave, which He did. And that brings us to Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40. I'm going to read uh, the whole section, finish the chapter. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored Jesus to come to his house. For he only had a daughter, he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. <coughs> I didn't do anything. <coughs> Sorry. So... <coughs> I want us to think of this passage, if you notice, there are really two stories here, right? And Luke sandwiches these two stories together on purpose. And so I want us to think of this passage almost like a split television screen where you've got two football games on and you're trying to keep up with both of them. And so I just want you to keep both stories in mind as we talk about this. We have to imagine that while Jesus is dealing with the woman in the crowd, 
Jairus is in the background and he's nervous because Jesus is stopping to deal with someone else. We really need to sense the fear of a man who thinks he's about to lose his only daughter. And I say that because fear is really the theme of Luke chapter 8. Every story has something to do with fear. Past When we get past the part of the parable of the sower, after that, each of the stories has something to do with fear, right? So remember the storm two weeks ago. Jesus and his disciples are in the storm. The disciples are afraid that they're going to die. And then Jesus calms the storm, and they're afraid that he has that kind of power. Then last week, the Gerizines were afraid of Jesus, and they begged him to leave, motivated by fear, right? And we should talk about fear. Whether you realize this or not, fear is actually a very powerful motivator. Psychologists tell us that it is the most powerful emotion in the human brain. So if somebody wakes you up in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., and they try to wake you up and they try to convince you to get out of bed and to stay awake until morning, but they, they don't really have any good reason, they just want you to do it, that's going to take a lot of convincing, right? But if somebody wakes you up in the middle of the night and tells you, hey, I just want you to know the house is on fire. How quickly will you be up and out of bed? It doesn't take much convincing, right? Because fear sets in, and that's a very powerful emotion. Luke tells us that Jairus fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged him to heal his daughter because he's afraid for her life. When the woman realizes that Jesus knows what she has done, Luke tells us that she becomes afraid and she falls down at his feet. Now, in both cases, Jesus deals with the underlying fear by solving a problem and then encouraging faith. But fear is something that's very difficult to deal with. Again, so now, have you, have you ever tried talking someone out of being afraid about something? It's very difficult, right? So if somebody... Uh, raise your hand if you're afraid of spiders. Anybody afraid of spiders? At least, okay. You can be honest. I'm a little afraid of spiders. Yeah, okay. Um, if you have a fear of spiders and somebody tries to just explain to you why you shouldn't be afraid of spiders. Does that really help? Not really. Or snakes. Anybody afraid of snakes? There we go. More hands. That's a Garden of Eden thing. That's just, that's just of course you're afraid of snakes. Um, what about heights? Right? Yeah. If somebody tries to explain to you, hey, if that's not, you shouldn't be afraid of it. Doesn't, there's not, it's not, that's not how you solve the problem, right? Convincing someone to not be afraid is because fear is not always rational. 
There's something deeper going on. And I want to suggest to you that what Jesus does here to solve the problem is supernatural. It takes an act of God, at least in this situation, to relieve the fear. He actually has to replace the fear with faith. And just like fear has an object, so does faith. We fear something or someone. And in the same way, faith in the Bible is not just this general thing. It's always in something or in someone. Faith always has an object. And what we need is for Jesus to redirect our attention away from the object of our fears to the object of faith, which is God himself. We've all seen the movies where someone is in a dangerous place, like they're standing on the edge of a cliff or in some other dangerous situation, and they have to, they have to walk or jump to safety. And what does the hero always say to them, right? Don't look down. Look at me. Just keep your eyes focused on me. It's going to be okay, right? And they coax them to take that step or to make that leap. And that's what Jesus is basically telling us, is to take our eyes off of sin and death for a moment, not to be frightened by this world anymore, and to look at Him. Specifically, to look at the cross. Because that is actually where God made the exchange of fear and faith possible. Just as Jesus took the disease away from this woman, the death away from this girl, replaced it with health and vitality, the Scriptures tell us that Jesus at the cross took our sin, replaced it with His righteousness, so that healing is possible. Life is possible. And it's important for us to remember a couple of things. The woman who reaches out to touch the corner of Jesus' robe, you might assume that what she's doing is sort of putting her faith in some kind of magic prayer cloth. And and I've actually heard it preached this way, where she just, uh, you know, just kind of thinks there's something magical about, you know, if I can just touch the hem, right, then that's going to be enough. And there's a sense in which maybe, maybe that was her, her heart, but... I actually believe she's trusting what the Jews understood to be the coming of the Messiah. There's a really simple way for me to show this to you. So this is actually a fulfillment of Messianic prophecy in Malachi, where it says, the Son of Righteousness will come with healing in His wings. What's interesting is the word for wings is very similar to the word fringes. So I think it's actually possible that she has grown to know Jesus from a distance as the Messiah of promise. And so she's trusting in that messianic prophecy, whether she realizes it or not, she's trusting in Jesus, and he has the power to do the thing that she needs, but she's putting her faith and her confidence in him, and thus God replaces her fears. 
So my question for us is, what are you afraid of? And we've talked about this now for two previous weeks because that's been the theme. What are you afraid of? And you may not be able to pinpoint it because it may not feel like fear right now. But another way to ask the question is, what has most of your attention? What occupies your thoughts? What is it that you're obsessing about every day? That might be a little easier to identify. Or what is it that you don't feel like you could live without? In those darker moments, you think to yourself, oh my goodness, if I lost him or her or this, what, what is that? Who is that? What would hurt the most if you lost it? And the question for us is, what if, what if we started asking Jesus to replace those fears with faith? To trust him no matter what actually happens. What would your life begin to look like if that were true? I want us to notice both of these stories, the woman and Jairus, both of them are about people who were forced to deal with their faith publicly. You understand it was a very big deal for Jairus to ask Jesus for help. More so than maybe you realize. It says that he's a synagogue leader. Okay, Now, as a religious leader... Jairus is being watched, and there's a lot of people around. Luke tells us there's a lot of people around, right? People are watching. Jesus was not popular among the religious leaders. They were not the ones who were excited about the ministry of Jesus. The people, the crowds, yes, but not the religious leaders. So do you understand? I'm not speculating here. I think this is very within the bounds of the text, going to Jesus would have threatened Jairus' position as synagogue leader. And yet, he throws himself on the ground at Jesus' feet, not a dignified position for an important Jewish man. He's down in the dirt begging Jesus to help in front of a crowd of people. Why? Well, that's easy. It's because his love for his daughter is obviously more important to him than his job. Now, this is kind of a side note, but I want to pause and just tell you as I prepared this and I I read that and I thought about it, that right there is convicting to me as a husband and a father. And I'll ask you the question that I ask myself all week. Men, do you have that kind of love for your families? If we believe that Jesus is our only hope and the only hope of the people in our home, would that not motivate us to take every opportunity to get them to Jesus? Are we more afraid that our children 
won't be good at a sport or an instrument or that they won't be successful. They won't make good grades. People won't like them. They won't be popular, whatever it is. Or are we more concerned with their souls? So that's a sidebar, but I kind of went there this week, so I wanted you to know about it. Back to the text. So the woman, you've got Jairus, right, who is, he's being watched, but he, he puts himself before Jesus, possibly at cost of his own reputation. But the woman who touches Jesus, she's actually trying really hard to stay unnoticed. She's hoping for a secret healing. She did not want to draw attention to herself. Let's be honest, her issue was probably public and embarrassing. But Jesus stops. Now this is Jesus, right? Full of compassion, perfect in love, and mercy, Jesus stops and calls her out in front of a crowd. Now think about that for just a second. And this woman is clearly scared to death, right? She is, Luke tells us, she is trembling with fear, being found out. And yet Jesus forces her to admit to an embarrassing problem in front of a crowd. Now, he does not do this to shame her. Instead, of course, he goes on to heal her. He he strengthens her faith. But you have to understand, this is the thing. She did not just need healing. She needed her shame removed. And Jesus knew the only way that's going to happen is if I make this public. Everyone already knew she had a problem. She's been going around to doctors. This is not a big community. They already knew, and now everyone knows she's healed. You see? She needed more than a secret healing, and that's what God gave her. And of course, God gets all the glory for it because everybody knew Jesus did it. There's a lesson in that for each of us. Our faith is not meant to be a secret between us and God. Jesus has every intention of broadcasting the faith the witness of His disciples to the whole world. He's not okay with you keeping it to yourself in many ways. That would be selfish of you to keep it to yourself. Of course, the idea here is not, look how much better I am than you because I'm a Christian, right? That's not what I mean by broadcasting it. No, instead, what does He do? He exposes our weaknesses to other people, and His power to do something about it. 
And that's what he does for her. There's one last thing I want us to consider. And this is the best part. And this is really where we see the heart of God. Okay? I think that this is probably the most important reason why the Bible puts these two stories together. He does it in Luke. He does it also in Mark. It's that Jesus stops and makes Jairus wait on him. Now think with me. Jairus' daughter, Luke says, is 12 years old. Which means, in that culture, this is a little weird, but bear with me. In that culture, 12-year-old girl means that she's almost old enough to be married. Crazy, I know, but that's how it worked. That's an important detail because what it means is that this young lady is still an unmarried virgin. She's probably not having women's issues yet. Again, bear with me. I know this is crazy. How long, how long does Luke tell us that the older woman has been dealing with an issue of bleeding? Twelve years. Y'all, that is not a coincidence. The entire time that Jairus' daughter has been growing up happy and healthy without a care in the world, until now, this woman has been suffering as an outcast. She wasn't just sick. She was biblically ceremonially unclean. She was not allowed to go to synagogue because of her issue. Did you know that? That's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Guess whose responsibility it would have been to make sure this woman did not attend synagogue? Jairus, the synagogue leader. You see the connection? Jesus is not step, stopping to help a random woman on the street. He's stopping to help a woman that Jairus probably knew. And now, we don't know exactly what Jairus is thinking. I'm not going to read between the lines. But the application is clear. If Jairus wants Jesus to heal his own daughter, then as a leader in the church, he also needs to have compassion on this woman. And now Jesus has made it possible for her to return to synagogue, and Jairus sees it. And y'all, if we're honest, we are tempted to compare the two, and I think Luke wants us to do that, right? It's easy for us to look at this precious, innocent young girl and the urgency of the situation. I mean, this is a death, right? This is not just some issue of bleeding. This is somebody who's about to die, this young girl, right? And we want Jesus to hurry up. I don't blame her father for being impatient. It would be easy for us to say the daughter needs it more right now. The other woman, she's been waiting for 12 years. She can wait another half an hour, right? But y'all, we underestimate how much dirty people matter to Jesus. And I'm using that phrase only to make a point because to God we are all the same. 
We are all broken. We are all dirty. We are all helpless. There's no human soul of more value or less value than another human soul. It is our world that compares people and devalues people in this way. But what Jesus is teaching His disciples is to have compassion on the least and the lonely, whoever God puts in your path. I've had many people over the years tell me that they're afraid to come to church because of who they are and what they've done, and they're afraid people are going to find out, and they're afraid they're going to be judged, that they will not be accepted, that we will reject them. And I think many of them desperately want what they've heard about Jesus, but they're scared of being known. And you can see that in this woman that he heals. And just as Jesus loved this woman, people outside the church need us to love them back into his presence. He doesn't save her and heal her in a disconnected way. He does it publicly to bring her back in to community. And the people outside need us to stop and notice them. They need us to lift up their heads and to offer them peace and acceptance. They need us to meet them in their fears and love them well. 1 John 4, verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now listen, I don't really have any perfect love to offer anyone, but I follow someone who does. And Jesus invites you to follow Him too. This church, as I said earlier, it doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to the elders. It belongs to Jesus. And if you feel Him calling you out of your fears to trust Him and to follow Him, then you belong here. And I don't care what kind of person you were, what kind of person you still are. You matter to Him. And we're messy people too, and we're going to disappoint you, but we are all connected to someone who will not disappoint you because we are one in Christ. Somos uno en Cristo. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, fairest of all, we, we pray to You and we ask for Your grace, for Your compassion. We ask not for a secret healing, but for You to restore us to, your, to Yourself. Restore us to each other. Lift up our heads and remove the shame and the guilt and help us to rest in the knowledge that You are good, that You love us, that You value us, that You've called us into Your kingdom. And may we follow You, not just as this one-time commitment or yes, I believe these things, but Lord, change us from the inside out and make it last, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.